1: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together.
0: I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech.
1: It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is
0: called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If only you could hear the off podcast conversations we have. It's Gavin Spittle on 105.3 The fans, Fitz and Suds. Joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig. How are you, Craig?
0: You know, it is a podcast, so why don't you let everybody in on what sure. really happened leading up to the beginning of okay, it? Okay, so
1: here's what happened. I texted Craig, and I said, would you, you know, do a podcast? I said, uh, first I offered, I said, Sean and I are doing it after the game, um, or would you like to join us tomorrow early afternoon? And you said, um, yeah, sounds good. So I did not give you the time, and then I realized I set up the Zoom for us, and then I texted you and said, good when you are. So I did not give you an exact time. My sincere apologies. There you go.
0: What actually is your job description? Oh, no, 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 no.
1: I run a successful sports station, the home of the Cowboys and the Texas Rangers. And I oversee the hosts and everything else going on. And Russ Martin used to get on me about this. And he used to say, what does oversee mean? (laughs) What do you do? So those are the things I do, bud.
0: Well not where I'm
1: sitting.
0: <laughs> Why don't no you no times, do... no dates, except tomorrow.
1: Yes. I agree yeah. because I was running so around doing anything. And, they, yeah, those logistics. A little tuckered out from a from a from a twelve thirty AM Spits and Suds podcast this morning. With Sean, who you have great respect for. It's awesome yeah, that Someone on this podcast you have respect for. I All do right, appreciate I was just
0: going to say, at least there's one guy.
1: Absolutely. And didn't you, like, help with his new book? Didn't you write something? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Never mind.
0: <laughs> that was Billy Heward.
1: I think it was, well, Curtis McKenzie did something, too. but uh,
0: not, I know nothing
1: about it. Okay. All right. So uh, let's get into last night's game. And it was a tale of two games, so to speak. The stars got to play their game and the Wild could not exert themselves like they wanted to and you know did in game one. Wanted to get your thoughts, what you saw that change from game one to two. I thought the biggest thing was the quick start.
0: Yeah, they start on time. And that's been <clears throat> how many times during the course of the season have we seen that i mean if there's been a i'm not saying it's an issue but if there's been something you would like to find a way to correct is to get off to good starts and to be ready to go or whatever you want to call it uh good and bad news for that and i think what they have shown during the course of the regular season is that they can get off to a slow start or they did get off to some slow starts and they were able to to climb back into it and ultimately win the hockey game, which is good because it gives you confidence because you can sit there and take some of that out of the, out of the games at this time of the year and say, Hey, we've come back 15 times during the season. We can do it again. And then, then there's the other side of it that this is completely different things that go on in the playoffs. It, it's unlike the regular season. And so, um, you know, up to this point, uh, the team that scored first, they're 11 and one. So um, it's pretty important to, to start on time. And, um, you know, you, you're, it, it's, it's a lot easier playing the game with the lead because, you know, some of these games have opened up. Um, but I think when you saw from the first night, you know, you know they were all kind of old school, 3-2 uh, games. <clears throat> and I think we we always expect, I think, in the playoffs that things will tighten up like this. But but there's some teams in here, Florida being one of them, obviously Edmonton and um you know, it's funny. Boston had what sixty-five wins this year, something mm-hmm. ridiculous like that. And they're they're not, and they've got something like a plus sixty in the third period, as far as the goals for goals against. So that's not about scoring goals. That's about being able to lock it down and and the opponents. You know, so and the reason they're like that is because they know what playoff hockey is, and not that other teams don't. Um, but again, you know, it's exciting for the fans. Probably, you'd rather see a seven-three. A a 6-4 hockey game, um, but generally, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the least amount of scoring opportunities and bad goals and coming out on the right end of special teams. Um, that makes a difference, you know, getting to that 16th win at this time of the year.
1: A lot of fans wanted retribution. That was a word that was used on social media prior to the game. I tweeted out that the best retribution is a win and winning this series. And I wanted to get your thoughts as a former player. Take me inside the room after something like that happens um, and give us your perspective um, on what you think should happen.
0: Exactly what happened last night. And I don't know if anybody's heard the story, I won't tell it, but about the young bull and the old bull.
1: No, tell on top it.
0: Of the hill, uh, it's not really a rated PG.
1: Oh, okay. <clears throat>
0: Well, it's the old bull and the young bull sitting up on top of the hill and down at the bottom of the hill is all the cows. So what do you think the young bull wants to do? You know, he wants to rush down there and, and the old bull, out of the morning tell the story, but the old bull is just take your time and we'll go down and we'll do them all. So the, the, the bottom line is, is that you said it, the most important way and the best way to take that, that circumstance that happened is to not come out of the playoffs and, you know, to go out and <clears throat> have Dumba pay the price in game two or game three and then have them and have that ultimately put you in the penalty box, put them on the power play, score a timely goal, put you down two games to one, three games to two, they end up having home ice because they stole the game out of your building and maybe you give them another game at some point and, you know, they get that advantage. And then you ultimately lose the series. And and the first guy, all you have to do is ask the guy that was at the wrong end of the accident. He'd be telling you the same thing. The most important thing here, guys, is I want to come back and play in round two, round three and round four. You go ahead and, you know, so take the guy's license plate number and there'll be a time. And it may not be this this year. It may be halfway through next year. It could be in game 64 next year and you're down four games or four goals. And, and, you know, now's the time. Um, So, but this is a different time and you do what's best for the group of guys that are in your room and you bite the bullet and let's make sure Joe gets back, has enough time to take care of himself, get him get him back into a good place and let's get him back in our lineup and let's win a couple, two, three, four rounds.
1: So you have an interesting perspective on the hit. You were there Monday night and you were sitting with Stephen Johns, who has dealt with concussion and basically that ended his career. So tell us what you saw. And then did your opinion change as you saw the replay? From And from, uh, I, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt because I, I wanted to get this in as well. You have a great perspective because, You're different than P.K. Subban. Defensemen are all different. But P.K. was saying, when that player comes into the zone, my job is to take them out. Um, And as a guy who was a heavy hitter in the league, what would you have done in that scenario? You know, and or, you know, so take me through that. And in your playing days, you know, how did you avoid that? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly.
0: From Bloomberg So yeah. I leave that at that. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you know, our job is, you know, all defensemen, and I know we all have play the game differently, and and the guys that have the skill play the skilled game, and the guys that want to stick around the league have to play a different way. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's 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 a player that you know can determine the outcome of a series, of a game, uh, of a play, and you always want to be hard on good players and you want to make it difficult for them. You want them to know it's going to be a long night. <laughs> and, you know, start with, I think on that particular play, like if when Joe Pavelski or any forward comes across the blue line, entering the zone, entering the offensive zone, and if they cut across the middle of the ice and whether it's try to make a play, get a better shooting angle, those are areas where they're they're very used to understanding that there's a better chance that somebody's going to get a chance to take a hit on him where Joe was at that time. It was like, he was almost down at the bottom of the circles, almost coming off the goal line. And I don't think that there's forwards that especially where Joe was to expect that defenseman to be coming from the front of the net right there with a direct hit. So I don't think he was anticipating that, although he's a smart player, I think his first instinct was to be able to make a play. And, and a lot of times we say, you, I mean, you got to take a hit to make a play. And, 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 and that's part of the game and you know it. And um, so, and he took a big hit for it and, you know, immediately everybody's up in arms and it's a, it's a dirty shot. <clears throat> and then when you go back and you kind of settle down and, you know, Bobby Basson and, and Steven, former trainer, uh, Dave Supernaught, and, you know, I had it on my phone and so we're backing it up and then it's on, the replays are going on on TV. And what happens is, and, and it's funny because Joe was part of the rule right now. He's a reason for the rule that referees will on a collision like that, they're immediately going to call it a five minute major because then it gives them the, the ability to take a look at it. If they just call a two minute uh, po- uh, penalty on that. They can't, it won't be reviewed. So, so they go, when well, that's a collision. We want to be able to take a better look at it. So they call it a five. So, and they have no, they can't reduce it to nothing. So they reduce it down to two. So that's why there was a two minute, whatever he got it for charging, roughing. I don't even know what he ultimately got it for. But when you sit there and you go by what the rule says, and there's some ridiculous uh, number. And I think, I believe it's 0.8 seconds from when a player lets go of the puck, it the hit cannot take place that amount of time after he lets go of the puck so and you know they're sitting and, and again what this did is that when they go to review now Toronto's on the phone they're looking at all of their cameras all of their guys are going through this so this isn't just one referee making this decision well the first thing is is that they they considered that it was not a late hit now I know people can stop it any time you want and you can look how far the puck is away from it when when Dumba hasn't even left, but you under, have to understand how fast that puck is moving in relative, you know, it, when the player is coming at him and the other players coming at him. So anyway, they deem that the, the time was, you know, in that 0. 0.8 or less. Now, when you look at the hit and you slow it down, the contact is shoulder to shoulder. And, and, and the, the other side of that is when you get when you take a hit like that, your head is not going to go back immediately. It's going forward. So I I believe what they do is they look at it, it's shoulder, the impact is shoulder to shoulder. It looks like he's trying to go through his chest. Do I think he's trying to take his head off? Absolutely. I mean, and again, I think we, some of us, that's what we did. That's what we do. That, that would be back in the day. That's a good hit. Now we know all the reasons why it's not a good hit, but so he drives, he, the, the initial contact appears to be, and again, you can go ahead and look at all different angles and you can say, no, it wasn't. But when you look at the proper angle, whatever angle that that we got to see, it is shoulder to shoulder. It, that's what it appears to be. So, and then, you know, and then he gets, I think that when Joe went down and when he did make contact with, if it was a shoulder or his head, uh, I'm talking about Dumba's, I think that may have been when the initial blow happened. And then when he came down, I think he hit his head again on the ice. So, and, and that was coming even from, like I said, Dave Supernot, the stars, former trainer who deals in this stuff. Um, said, I think, I think he was out right there. Like he was knocked out as soon as that hit happened. And then there was another impact on the ice. So again, not, I'm not saying that, that all of that is right, but that's how they look at that stuff. And, um, and is it a predatory hit? Of course it is. Yeah. But that's what we do. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not saying that's right. And, and Dumba is one of the, and, and there's, you know, there's another one in New York Rangers, uh, another defenseman that plays that way. Truba. There's one in Florida that plays that way. Yeah. So it's not like they're out there and they know what their roles are. So, you know, again, you just hope that Joe can get back into the lineup as quick as as quick as possible. And I, I bet you you could get ten people from the NHL and they could sit in a room and they could just debate this back and forth all day.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because soon after that, you had the uh, Bunting chernak hit and uh, watched the NHL player safety video, and that was initial contact to the head. And the NHL also said because it was interference. Um, you know, and he was suspended three games. So that was well, a tough year. Chernak,
0: Chernak never had the puck. There yeah. Was nothing I know. The puck was on the other side of town.
1: Yes. And yeah. that's
0: why, you know, Bunting's not, doesn't appear to be a real smart player. So, but he understands that he has a role that he has to do. He crossed the line. And that, that I think, falls <laughs> definitely under the, uh, the category of unsuspecting player, unsuspecting hit. Because you know, Chernak was looking the other direction. Yeah. I what I think Bunting was doing on that particular play, I think he was gonna try to he was gonna try to create space when he was gonna go retrieve the puck. I think he knows if he just turns and goes for the puck, yeah. Chernak's gonna turn, he's gonna be right on his back. So he's gonna try to bump him and get him off balance. And then he's got a little bit more time and space to grab a puck. But I have no idea what's inside his head. But that's what that's what a lot of players will do. They'll give you a little bump. Gets you to get your get you off balance a little bit going the other way, then you can go and grab the puck and have a little bit more time. But yeah, you're right. And, and in today's day, what <clears throat> the NHL, uh, however they cut their standards, is they consider uh, a one game suspension during the regular season. You know, it, it, it's two games in the playoffs. So what they're basically saying is, if this is a regular season. Bunting would have got six games since he got three.
1: So it's a lightning fast league, um, and when you played. Fast game. The question I have for you is. Well, not,
0: not, not as fast as it is. Not as
1: fast as it is now. Yeah, that's correct. But when Dumba comes across, and this is, uh, I'm asking you as a former player because I think our our listeners want to know this. When Dumba comes across, does he know it's Joe Pavelski or does he care? And as a player, did you know, Let's. I'm just going to throw out Rick Middleton, you know, the scorer for the Bruins or somebody like that. Did you know, did you know
0: first, first off he knows exactly who it is. Okay. And and I'll tell you why is because him and Brodeen are supposed to play against the top line. That's their job to play against the top line is don't give that line time and space. If we want to win this game, ultimately win the series, those guys can't be a part of it. And, and so, yes, he knows who he is. And he would not have cared if it was Rupe or if it was Robo. He, again, that's the way he's going to play. I I personally, I know he's, he is in everybody's black books now here in Dallas. I like the guy as a player. Now he doesn't play. I don't think he's, I don't think he intentionally is a dirty player, um, but he plays hard and he plays heavy and he's not, you know, but I also think that a reason that he can do that and a few other guys can do that is because of a move that Billy Guerin made, made, you know, a month or so ago and brought in Ryan Reeves. And so they know that their Darian Hatcher, their Shane Churla, their Basil McRae is on the bench. And so and that's the identity of, of this Minnesota team. And Billy Garen built this team to be a playoff team. <clears throat> I had said a while back, when, when there were three games to go in the regular season, Dallas and, and Minnesota were jockeying. They, there was one point separating these two teams. And they were, and it was about home ice because Colorado was probably going to finish first. They had an extra game in hand, blah, blah, blah. They get to their third game. I'm not even sure who they played Minnesota. I'm talking about. They, they sit five guys for that game. Dallas played that night also. And I'm thinking, are you just giving up on home ice? You're not even, I mean, we would all rather home ice. And the only reason is probably, I mean, we all know that you like to get off to a, a good start <clears throat> and game seven, if you want to play game seven. You'd rather play at home. Anyway, they decide not to. They ultimately won that game, but then they lost the next night after putting those guys back in line. Then they sat three more guys. So they obviously weren't too concerned about starting at home. And I think the reason is because the makeup of his lineup, the way the guys he went out and got, this is the way Billy Guerin, Dean Evanson believe that you're going to win in the playoffs or at least the way that they can win in the playoffs. So so they're comfortable playing that kind of a style of a game. They like playing that style. I mean, they got Hartman, Foligno. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of guys on that team. Last night, I think the hits were something like 46 to 25 yeah. in favor of yeah. Minnesota. It'll yeah. be interesting to see if they even change that style. The, the 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 big puzzle of the whole thing from last night's game is what was Flurry doing in in the net, and that has nothing to do with the outcome of the game. But why did they not play Gustafsson? I don't understand it, but, you know, according to them, this is what we do. Yeah. And maybe that's their philosophy. You know, but- we had
1: we had Joe O'Donnell on, Craig, the voice of the wild, um, on our afternoon show a couple of days ago, and he told, after Gustafson's out appearance, he's in our studios the next afternoon, and he said, guys, don't be surprised if Flurry plays. That's what they've been doing. So I'm not saying it's, you know, right or wrong, but that that is truth. They've been doing that all season, but I just don't know how you – pull a hot goaltender like that, I mean, we'll clearly see him in game three and likely forward, but.
0: you know, Well, if we don't see him in game three and, and just because a a broadcaster told you that, like, I know that let's just say it's Razor and Josh, they know things and they, and they know things of injuries, lineup changes, things like that. But they're told those things because they know, are they the people that are talking to them, whether it's coaches or other know that they're not going to let it out. They're going to say the right things. So there may be, I mean, we know now that if flurry plays again tomorrow, Gustafson's hurt. in
1: yeah.
0: turn because it just didn't make sense to me. I don't, this is the playoffs. Like if that kid played that well, would you not, and you won, you somehow you found a way to win a game and, and game one on the road, regardless of who you're playing. Wouldn't you want to go home? Everybody says you just want to go in there to win one game. You get home ice. You just want to go in there and win one game. That's a bunch of shit. You want to win them both. Like, I don't, wouldn't yeah. you rather have a shot at going back to O.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. I, I don't understand. You don't, you don't rest people in the playoffs like that.
0: No, but, but anyway, so it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I will say I don't think we'll see Flurry again. Flurry may be done playing. <laughs> he might. This that might have been his last game, and not maybe not. Maybe yeah. not, that's if because I just don't see. You know, <clears throat> hopefully this doesn't happen. But if that that Gustafson comes back in and they win Game Three, you think Flurry's going in for Game Four because that's no. just what they do. No, not a chance. No, not unless he gets hurt.
1: Yeah.